Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to Motor City Hoops. Today, Bryce and I have great pleasure of having a former college coach and current NBA scout as a guest, Lamar Barrett. We'll talk about the NBA draft lottery and the NBA playoffs. But first of all, Bryce, we got the first pick. I feel like we just won a championship last night. How happy are you we got this pick? Yeah, man, I'm juiced. Like, I don't even have the right words. I don't know how to describe it. I was at a scrimmage last night when it all went down. My wife was texting me the order, like, 14, 13, 12. And then she, like, paused. I was like, babe, what is going on? Like, I I need to know. Like, she had gotten down to five, and she said they went to commercial – and then my phone just blew up once we got the number one pick, man. Twitter blew up. I got text messages. So, um, Cade Cunningham, baby, like I'm excited. I'm pumped. So it was a great night for the Detroit Pistons. Absolutely. I mean, Twitter was just booming last night <laughs> everywhere, left and right. <laughs> Lamar, you first of all, as a college coach, I just want to see through your eye, what did you see from Cade Cunningham this year? I mean, excellent size at – the either guard position, whether he plays on the ball or off the ball, uh, an unbelievable wingspan, fluid athlete, you know, kind of can play at different speeds is what you like, passes and handles well with both hands. Um, and he just, and he plays like a selfless style. You know, he's not a, he's not a, um, you know, he doesn't have to hunt shots and, and, and did it at times with his team, uh, because he needed them, they needed him to, but, um, he can actually, you know, post smaller guards. That's what they did a little bit. I don't like the space in the Oklahoma State a lot when I watched them. I probably watched them about seven or eight times this year. Um, so you can't really tell. You, you, I've seen them before at like the Nike Skills Academy and things of like that or with USA Basketball where spacing was a little bit better on the floor um, that was going to help him translate to the NBA game. But I thought at Oklahoma State a lot of people didn't see what he could do from that. But – I mean, he's an exceptional talent. He's a, I'm not going to call him a generational player yet, but he's, 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 he's close to it. He's really good at that size along with his physicality. Um, 
and and he's gotten better as a shooter as well. So, I mean, if Detroit can't go wrong if they decide to go. I mean, I, I don't think they can go wrong. That's a kind of a no-brainer to me in that situation. So there will be no way we go with anybody else. I, mean, I can't say that because Troy Weaver's a very smart guy. I've been knowing Troy uh, for so long, so I can't say it's a no-brainer. Um, I, I think, you know, Jalen Suggs is, uh, to me, a, a little similar, you know, Russell Westbrook-ish uh, when I say that because he plays at one one speed, you know, all the time. So if you're looking for – I mean, you just, you just got haze. So but I just think what – and Jalen Green is an exceptional athlete who has a chance, has kind of star – uh, power, but I just think the combination of K, uh, what K offers and what he can do, I just think it kind of fits what Detroit is all about. Absolutely, Bryce. What do you? What, what's your take on that? Because I know we've talked about where K fits. How does it fit with his team? And you and I have we bounced some texts back and forth yeah. this morning as far as I see him more as a. I don't. I want to say Ben Simmons. You know where he runs the offense all the time, or like a Giannis. I see more in that mold, like the LeBron mold, than more of a, I don't know, Luca mold. Uh, like, I just I just don't feel like he's going to score that much. And I kind of think Lamar kind of touched on that, where he had to score at Oklahoma State. But I feel like with us, he might not have to score as much as we would think, because I do feel like we have a lot of guys that can score the ball. Yeah, so this is where we differ, you know, and and a lot of times we don't really go back and forth with differing opinions too much, but I see him more as in the Luka mold. Like, that's what I see. So I'm interested to see what Lamar thinks about this because I see him playing off the ball with Killeen Hayes. I tweeted out something today where, like, you can stagger the minutes, get them both chances to be the primary ball handler and an offensive initiator, but I think... I hope he turns into our number one scoring option. I'm not saying year one or even year two, but eventually that he shoots it well from three. I think sometimes that stuff goes overlooked with Cade because he is such a phenomenal passer in his court vision and playmaking. But I think he has the ability to be a high level scorer as well. So I'm really interested to see what Lamar, who's, who's seen him more, saw him coming out of high school, what he thinks on that as well. Yeah, absolutely, Lamar. So what's your take on this? Because... I don't, and I, I'm, I'm honestly not a fan of the way the Mavericks are playing. So I would not want that for the Pistons, especially the way Weaver has been building this roster. It just seems like it's going to be a total team effort, defensively and offensively. They're going to be aggressive defensively. Try to run. You know, everybody has a, a great wingspan. They're very athletic. Uh, so I'm not sure I really want a player that's going to dominate the ball as much as Luca does. Well, I don't think he has to dominate the ball. I think he can dominate the game in, in more ways. Like, I just talked about it, like off the ball or with the ball. Um, it, it is a great combination of him and Killian Hayes could play together at times. Uh, and then when he's off the floor now, what he is, is, and you kind of talked about LeBron and, um, you know, or like the Ben Simmons, he's, he's, he could be your number one facilitator. And that means whether it's scoring or passing, he can be your number one facilitator, still get, and, and people talk about it. He in that Grant Hill mode more than Luca. You know what I'm saying? Like Grant Hill still scored points, led you in scoring when when he was with the Pistons, or you know. But he's that type of guy. He can still lead you in scoring. He can still lead you in assists, but doesn't have to have a high usage rate. Um, you know, playing. And, and like you said, he can still be as Wright said. He can be your number one scorer, but he also can be your number one assist guy, and still have other guys on your team feel well enough that they can 
also be guys who contribute because I just think he's going to make other guys better. He's going to make the other he's going to make the game easier for other players around him. So Vlad, Vlad, real fast. So like that's exactly what we need, right? Like we've talked about this with Jeremy Grant that as impressed as we've been with Jeremy Grant, as much as he's grown his game, like we're a little unsure whether he's a true number one option. Well, maybe with Cade, there isn't a true quote unquote number one option, but Cade's making his life easier because he's getting him easier shots, but he's also able to get those tough buckets when maybe Grant's a little tired or the defense is a little more focused on him. And then Bay can slide into that three, you know, number three option. So Cade and Jeremy could be 1A, 1B, and then Sadiq Bay, that number three option. I'm not saying right away, day one. I'm just saying as this thing unfolds. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because I know last year's draft, everybody was talking about how we hand over the keys to Killian Hayes. Now, if you draft Kate Cunningham, and you should draft him, in my opinion, do you still kind of hand him the keys? You know, just do you, do you hand him the keys and you kind of pull Killian Hayes off the ball a little more where I just don't feel like he's ready yet. You know, just watching him in Europe, watching him last year, he needs to be a little more more ball dominant in order to, you know, impact the game, uh, you know, through his pick and roll. You know, him creating because off the ball, he's just not a good enough shooter yet. So it's going to be very interesting, uh, in my opinion, on how they want to use Kate. But let's say in a crazy scenario, you know, we don't get Kate. What's your take, Lamar, on what are the other options out there? Because Weaver did say he's going to look at five players. And honestly, Bryce and I could think about three. <laughs> and after that, it was, you know, what do you, what do you think about? Because clearly Mobley's one, Green is the other one. You mentioned Suggs. I just don't see who else could even be in this conversation at this point, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. Like, I mean, Green is an exception. Like, he's like people don't realize. I think he has um, kind of star, like I said, star power. Or you know, I just don't know if he's the guy you want at one. Could you move down and possibly take two picks? And I'm kind of looking at that scenario today. Like, you know, do you move down and get two? first round guys that can help you like for a long period of time or do you take the stop power guy and Kate and you know do you move down and take a guy like Scotty Barnes at five um because he's another guy that you know he's not Kate he's not the stop power guy but Scotty Barnes is actually really good another big guard uh to play that Florida State his numbers aren't gonna look great just because he played at Florida State but he's still a top Eight, a top top eight talent uh, in the draft, and also like, do you you know go ahead with another? Uh, do you, are you going to take another forward, or are you going to take another uh, big just in case? I don't know, but Troy may be smart enough, smarter than us, where he can move down and get two young guys that can help, rather than just having one guy. Well, we have to just trust him because he's done a fabulous job last year right and we're just looking at the first round picks only you know you're looking at Hayes um, you're looking at Stewart uh, which Bryce loves so so much well we, we all love him but <laughs> Bryce is definitely a big my, fa- my favorite player Sadiq my Bay, favorite yeah. player and Sadiq Bay you know we all love him especially me as a shooter I think he's, he's he was a great pick for us and Bryce what do you think of this trade down scenario or just picking somebody else at, at this 
so, one pick. So here's what I would say. Like I would be, it would make me nervous. But like you just said, Troy Weaver has given us has given us nothing but belief in him. Like there's no reason not to trust him. So if let's say we traded down to four or five or you know, like I even look like the Warriors have seven and fourteen. Like how how would that go if they if they packaged a deal for seven and fourteen in a player's? So I, I don't know how it would look, but. Like, I would trust Weaver that he evaluated some player that he believes he can get at his spot that is a franchise guy. Like, to me, we've talked about this, Vlad. You know, Lamar, I don't know what you feel about the current Piston roster, but there's no franchise guy. And I know it's no guarantee that Kate is or Mobley or Green or anybody else, but I just don't think we can pass on what could possibly be a franchise guy. That's what we're missing right now. That's why everybody was so emotional and excited about us getting the number one pick last night is we feel like we're going to get that guy in Cade. So I don't, pretty much I don't care what the offer is. We have, we have to take our guy at number one unless Weaver just really, really believes he has a guy at four or five or something like that. Yeah. And Lamar mentioned, I think I made myself clear a while back because I love green. As far as a fit for this Pistons team, I love green. Um, is, is what we're missing, honestly. It's, it's a big time scorer. Um, you know, the highlight reel, every, everything that comes with green, but I wouldn't pick him at number one. Uh, but I would not put it past Weaver to consider it. Um, I, I'm just, I'll put it out there. There is a chance. If he says he's going to look at five guys, he will. But Lamar, now we got the number one pick. Uh, you've seen us play this year. Uh, you've seen the rookies improve a ton uh, during this whole year. We saw Jeremy Grant become the Jeremy Grant that he is today, a borderline all-star, um, you know, Honestly, it was, in my opinion, he was a lock for, you know, uh, the most improved player of the year. Uh, you know, even at some point, I believe that he's like an outsider to be like the top 10 for the MVP race because he was playing so well until guy guys kind of just read him uh, and start reading him. And he's he hasn't developed, I feel like, that, that three-level scoring just yet. But how does this draft pick, this number one draft pick, you know, Speed up this restoration, this rebuild of the Pistons. Yeah, I think, Vlad, I think we lost Lamar, so we will work on getting him back. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. But if you could, I don't know, see if he texts you. But, um, you know, I, t- to answer your question for Lamar while for, while Vlad tries to get him back on with us here, guys, stay with us. Um, t- for me, I think we have to be careful about how fast we try to speed up the restoration. You know, this all of a sudden today, like this is starting to make me a little nervous seeing people like, and I'm one who thinks we can get into the play in game next year with Kate Cunningham in the, in the fold. So I'm excited. Like I think we can start to make a little bit of noise, but. I also saw on Twitter someone, and I know you've talked about this, Vlad, going out and signing DeMar DeRozan to add to the roster. I don't dislike that. I don't think he's the right piece if we do sign a free agent, but there's part of me that would like, let's see if Kate is the superstar or is showing signs of being the superstar, the franchise guy, and let this grow a little more organically. I don't think we have to rush it. I don't think we have to force it. I'm not saying we wait forever. I think we take advantage of what's there, but I don't think we have to really, really speed it up. Yeah, I don't think, I think it speeds us up just by the fact that we get Kate Cunningham. Uh, in my opinion, who's, you know, he's going to be huge for us. And I know the expectations 
um, are going to be high. Uh, there could be a lot of pressure going on because even Jeremy Grant, you know, he said at some point that, you know, we don't want to rebuild forever. Like they want to try to make a play next year. Uh, where that that is the playing game, Bryce. Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's uh, you know it's difficult to say as far as how fast does Weaver want to build his roster up? Because judging by what Jeremy Grant said, we're going to make more moves than just Kate this year. Uh, if we want to be in the playing game, we want to be maybe in that, in that sixth spot. And we, we, we saw it this year. To me, it's, it's that the East is wide open, you know, especially for their playing games. I mean, you saw, you saw Chicago making a huge move and not getting what they wanted. So I feel like uh, we're going to be close to it and it's going to be very, very interesting. But Bryce, now let's talk about the other lottery results. And honestly, there's a few winners, which is clearly the Raptors with a fourth pick. Um, you know, I think Houston, uh, they're, they're winners. But I do see some losers, honestly, Bryce, uh, in this uh, lottery. You know, I see uh, Oklahoma City. I see Minnesota, kind of the losers. Uh, so... What are, what is your take on this? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota was, you know, a big one, right? Because they end up, you know, they were in this, they only fell one spot, but, the, you know, they had a protected, I believe it was top three protected for Minnesota um, to keep it away from Golden State. So I'm sure there were some Minnesota fans. Um, our guy Rob over at Dash Radio, you know, is a Minnesota fan. And so I know he, he still is okay with that trade as it's played out. But I'm, I know they were hoping that would stay and, you know, get into the top three so they wouldn't lose that one. So that's tough for them. Oklahoma City fell two spots. They're outside the top five. Orlando, even though they have two picks in the top eight, also fell out of the top four. As you know, I think this is very top three heavy draft. Um, four, I'm okay if you include Suggs in that. So at five, I think that's when things get really interesting for teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Orlando does there, you know, with a f- number five and a number eight, mm-hmm. how they how they maneuver that around b- w- with those two picks. So I-, I think those, I think Minnesota and then Chicago loses their pick to Orlando as well. I don't know if that one was protected or not. So Minnesota losing their pick and then Orlando, Oklahoma City dropping. Absolutely. Now we got Lamar back. Lamar. We were just talking like, well, what's your take on the winners and losers of this, uh, this lottery results? I mean, I'm sure like some of the teams like um, Golden State would have loved to be a little bit higher, even though, you know, they got the 7-14. and 14. Um, um, Who else took a big hit? It was uh, somebody else thought that they could move up. I know, I mean, Toronto got kind of, you know, they had the number four spot. Um, and I think the fifth spot, the, the, the magic having the fifth spot has the toughest decision to make. Um, so I thought they kind of got unlucky with that situation. Um, because that is the toughest. Like, you know, you have four guys, Kaminga being the fifth, but still there's a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty with him. Um, so I, I just think some guys like those, those are the tougher guys who, uh, ended up like, Orlando got, I mean, I'm sorry, Orlando got two picks out of it in the top 10, yes, but that fifth pick is going to be the toughest, I believe. Who do you go with? And then Golden State. Yeah, and, uh, you know, 
I, Bryce, he's right. Lamar is very uh, right about this because we just talked about it. He's a top four heavy draft. It's uh, really, really hard to say after the the, the, the top four picks who's going to be next. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Kaminga coming in. It, it's just very, very tough to me. OKC was one of the losers. Uh, you know, they had every pick under the sun they can imagine. I feel like it, it's just what they do. They collect picks now. It's like a little bit like the the, the 76ers at some point. And, you know, they land uh, what number six pick. So uh, it's, it's going to be tough. I do like the magic, you know, having the five and eight. Uh, but in the same time, I do see the Raptors also, you know, the number four jump. It's, uh, it's pretty big. But now let's talk about the playoffs. Bryce, uh, I know you didn't get a chance to talk about it in episode uh, 31 with Lance. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the stars or the no stars argument, uh, which kind of goes against what I'm thinking about the playoffs. Uh, you know, not having the stars because of injuries, because of uh, whatever COVID protocol now with CP3. What's your take on that first uh, part with no stars in the playoffs? Is that an issue for the NBA? I mean, I don't think it is, but it continues to get brought up like in my my ex my old college teammate group chat it's a conversation that came up last night with the clipper um suns game Kawhi's out with the ACL injury we don't know the extent how serious it is CP3's out CP3 has been out with covid protocol even though it came out just before we started recording that he'll be back for game 3 so there was just some comments like hey we want to see the best of the best we want to see the stars that type of stuff and to me, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. I think people get too caught up on that. And for me, it just, it's good basketball. It's competitive basketball. It was an entertaining game. It was a close game. Now, if the Suns end up sweeping the Clippers because Kawhi's out and they can't compete, then I can see it. But I like to see some of this new blood. And honestly, the Eastern Conference Finals is even more fascinating to me. That starts tonight, Wednesday, June 23rd, when we're recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, I want to see Trey Young in an Eastern Conference Finals. I want to see if Giannis and Middleton and those guys can get over the hump. So I'm very fascinated. I'm I'm still excited about these playoffs, and I kind of get annoyed with the narrative that, I don't know, that this has been bad for the NBA. Yeah, to, to me, I see that the other, the other spot, right? You look at Cameron Payne. How well has he played his first two games without CP3? And you, you know me, I was a CP3 fan for the MVP, but you know, it, it gives this whole narrative, okay, no stars in the NBA, in the playoffs, sorry, in the, in the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I get this, no stars in the NBA playoffs. Great. Everybody wants to see LeBron up there, Every, but it happens. It's To me, it just means it's a little more parity out there. It's, okay, some happen with the injuries, right? So I think the Lakers uh, really got screwed with the injuries, right? LeBron and AD have big-time big injuries. Uh, right now we're kind of missing Kawhi, right? And in the same time, it's, it's just basketball. It happens. So we can't really, well, what are we going to do? Wait for everybody to be healthy. It's, it's just one of those years where, you know, you're missing some of these guys. And just like as well as we're missing the stars, Jokic played every single game this year. And, you know, you have the other opposite of the spectrum where guys are, are playing games. And Lamar, what's your take on this? no stars argument right now in the NBA because a lot of people are saying, oh, this is like the playoffs, no stars. We want to watch the stars. Well, what's your take on this? I mean, it's still a, it's still a good brand of basketball, Vlad, as you said, um, without, 
without the stars. I just think people are so used to that. Like the last 10, 11 years, you've had LeBron James in the finals. You've Before that, you had Kobe or you had Tim Duncan. So they're, they're not used to it. It's just like the evolution of the game. Everyone isn't used to the three-point shot. So people say they don't like it. So it's 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 new. Um, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of times people are like, is it good for the game um, that new blood is coming in? Um, I think it's, you know, a lot of things with the health and the shortened season. I think the th- teams that you're seeing now that's playing late are the teams that probably was the most healthiest all year, had the most camaraderie all year, and I think – the guys who've made the best adjustments all year in the playoffs. So I'm not caught up in whether it's no stars or stars, but um, I just like watching the game of basketball. And, um, you know, and and I I think it's a lot of young guys. I think what it is is it's not your older stars. I think people are starting to see a lot of the younger guys turning themselves into stars and and on their way to become superstars. Is that change of generations, right? It happens every every few years. But this year, what I'm thinking about and what made me think is the Orlando Magic in 08, 09, uh, for those that remember, right? So they not they knocked out the 76ers uh, in six games. They, they knocked out the Celtics in game seven to play the Lakers, right, in the, in the NBA finals. And it just gives you some of that feeling, right? You, you had a team with Hedo, uh, with Dwight, uh, you know, Rashard Lewis, and to me, it was special, right? Because it was the success of the team, and they fought so hard to knock down the Celtics in seven. And I, I like that kind of stuff. It, it comes rare. It's uh, it's a great opportunity for people to step up because that's why I'm comparing you. Because a lot of people didn't think what Hito Turkoglu was up until that year, or they had this view of Rashard Lewis from Washington up until that year. And it was just a great opportunity for everybody to step up. And right now I'm seeing this with the Phoenix Suns. You see Cameron Payne just balling these games. And he's played well all, all year long, right? And, you know, what Jones as a GM has done with that team is fabulous. And you get to see that. You get to see a deep roster. You get to see a player like Aiton just flourishing in that in the, in the role and being a star in his role. Bryce, and I know we, we talked about his, uh, Lamar was uh, a little bit out uh, for, uh, you know, in the in the podcast, but I, I do want to take this time, Bryce, for you to tell me exactly what do you think that this playoffs mean for the role players? Because it's been a lot of role players stepping up at times. Yeah, I mean, it just it gives them a chance to showcase their talent. You know, Kevin Herter um, in Game Seven against the exactly Sixers. What? Was, yeah, it was. So I'm working on this project, kind of kicking around an idea with a guy I met through Twitter through the video breakdowns I do, and we picked. We had pegged six guys we wanted to do player reviews on. Well, we already changed one of those from actually from John Collins to Herter because of that Game Seven. So you know, it's like it's bringing to light these guys. Um, bringing these guys to light, excuse me. So it's just exciting. Like everybody wants the preconceived narrative because we're impatient. So we want to know what the storyline is going to be. And it's no, it's nothing against LeBron or Steph Curry or anything like that. Let's let the storylines play out. Everybody's freaking out like, oh my gosh, what if the Hawks make it to the finals? That's going to be so bad for the NBA. Well, not if Trey Young's dropping 40 every night. It's not. Like, the whole world's going to know who Trey Young is. These storylines, these stars, all that stuff will create themselves. They'll come to light, and it'll be entertaining. And like Lamar said, it's good basketball. That game last night, 
It was ugly at times, but it was entertaining. It was exciting. And you know what? I saw something I've never seen before with that final play. So if you're a basketball fan, tune into the playoffs. Don't listen to some of these people trying to tell you that we need the stars there. Yes, it would be great, but it's still great basketball. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, Lamar said it. It is great basketball. And I love watching it, honestly. I have uh, probably one of my favorite playoffs so far because, for example, the 76ers series was all decided by role players at some point, whether it was somebody from the 76ers stepping up, whether it was, uh, what do you call him, Kayvon, they call him? <laughs> when yeah. You yeah. Hey, he was killing it and Trey Young needed just that so to me it's it's such a great opportunity for real stars to just step up and become you know the, the next upcoming thing and is it going to be that Kevin Hurt is like the second option to Trey Young I don't know how long that's going to be but it will you know it, it just made me happy because it was an opportunity and he just took it and now that we talked about the Hawks Hawks box. Lamar, what do you think? Because I do have an outside take on this, but I want to see what you do, uh, think about this series. Yeah, I'm going to go first um, because I think okay. we Lamar keeps going in and out with us guys, so just bear with us. He, he's been able to get back in. So I'll start off and hopefully we get him back. But I, I think the Hawks have a better chance than what I would have said. You know, we've talked about this, Vlad, that we both kind of tiptoed around having them as our number four team in the East preseason. We, I feel like we were both kind of nervous to say it, to really dive all in with that. But we both felt like they, they, they could be the fourth best team in the East. And now they've done that and beyond, right? So I really think there's a chance. I, I have a, I have a hunch and maybe this, maybe I'm about to steal your shine here that Trey Young is about to really, really explode onto the NBA scene. Like, just really blow up. And it's going to be with help from Herder and John Collins and Capella and these other guys as well. But I just have a feeling that he's going to become a superstar and and upset the Bucks. And because of the scenario, Bryce, do you think that he has a Steph Curry power? Yes. Because it, it means he has to be a game changer. He has to absolutely dominate his games. And the Bucks have a lot of length. Yeah, that that'll be interesting because they can put you know some Drew Holiday on him. Um, but what are the Bucks going to do with Brooke Lopez? What are they, what? How are they going to defend this this ball screen at the fourth I'm level at forty five feet? Uh, the Bucks are very tough. They're very well coached. No, for sure. Uh, but it becomes a problem. I don't think Bogdanovich is a very good defender. I don't think Gallinari is a very good defender. I don't think Trey Young is a very good defender. And it's going to be hard because Drew Holiday can score, Chris Middleton can score, Giannis can score, Lopez can stretch the floor. So it's going to be a lot of problems uh, for the Hawks in the series. Um, I, I would want them to win just because of that, just because of the emergence of Trey Young as a superstar. I would love them for. I would just love for them to win, uh, but it's gonna be tough. The way, the way the Bucks played, uh, you know, Game Seven. I was impressed. It was an old school basketball game. It was rough, and if they play like that against the Hawks, they're not gonna have many issues. Lamar, what do you think about the Bucks Hawks series? Um, what's interesting is 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 it's. The one thing that scares me in this whole series, now you got two guys, and I think they've made good adjustments, but guys in the past that haven't made the best of adjustments, um, 
this is a team in Milwaukee who can defend. They've they, they I think they've been the best defensive team um, in in the NBA playoffs thus far. Um, and then they also shoot the three. So it's gonna be interesting to see um, how the Bucks try to dominate inside um, uh, with, with this group, especially Giannis. If he sticks to that game plan and stop worrying about taking a ton of threes, and the matchups are gonna be huge in this series. Like I don't know if you can hide. Trey Young as much as you did in the Sixers series. Like, who is he guarding? It's going to be a big key. Um, you know, are you going to um, – who are you sticking him on? Or are they going to attack him to get him in foul trouble? Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I like the Bucks, uh in this series. Um, I think Drew Holiday, with his, him just starting on the physical from that guard spot, is going to be huge. Um and then who guards Middleton? So the matchups are going to be key. And then who actually makes the best adjustments is going to tell me a lot. And I'm actually scared of both of these guys when it comes to making adjustments. And to me, you said it right. And, uh, you know, about defensive stuff, about the Hawks, that's my biggest issue with them. And uh, I think the difference maker is Chris Middleton this series. It's going to be very hard to guard him because Giannis, you know, they're going to back off him. They, they're they going to sag off him. Uh, they're going to foul him, send him the foul line a lot. But to me, Chris Middleton is a difference maker. And he has been his whole playoffs. He's been phenomenal. Uh, he's been exactly kind of what we expected out of, um, you know, Paul George and the Clippers with the Clippers, you know, he's that second superstar. And I feel like until now he was okay. He's like second fiddle to, to Giannis. But to me, this, this playoffs was like, okay, he's clutch. He'll close out the games for you. I know he's, he's the guy, in my opinion, if you're the Bucks, like who do you give the ball with last, last shot? What do you think, Lamar? Who do you give the ball to? Like, right? Middles. Last shot. It's yeah. not, it's middles. It's definitely middles. Bryce, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to. Like, you just can't trust if Giannis has to turn it into a jump shot, you know, or, you know, even ends up at the free throw line. So I think and, – and that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean Giannis isn't a great player. It doesn't even necessarily mean he's not their engine or their alpha. Like, we we could talk about all that stuff. Like, it's not a knock on Giannis, but at the end of the game, if you have to draw up a play, um, you know, what wasn't it game one of the first round where he knocked down the game winner? Um, so Middleton did. So, I mean, I think, I think Middleton, absolutely. Lamar's right. I don't think there's any hesitation that Middleton is the go-to if you get in a situation like that. Like, I just want to say, like, I'm on the, like, I just want to say, like, I'm on the Hawks bandwagon now. Like, I'm fully on late to really jump on and be outwardly about how, what I think about this roster. And maybe they peaked. Maybe this is as far they're going to go. And they probably, they're probably playing with house money right now. Like, I just, I love Trey Young's game. I think people like to say, you know, it, it's not just about the, the 35 footers. Like he dominates the game offensively. I realize defensively is another conversation, but I just feel like he dominates the game offensively, creates so many things. And it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks guard him. Yeah. And to me, it was surprising they got to here so far. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk on Twitter, uh, about Ben Simmons. And I really want to hear both of you guys' thoughts on this. Lamar, I'll go to you because. <laughs> What do you think about Ben Simmons? Is he just playing the wrong position with the 76ers? Was he just drafted too high? Like, what is going on with Ben Simmons? I mean, honestly, I think Ben Simmons is, I mean, he's a, he's an elite. He's He is an elite. Like, think about this. He's been very good. He's been all NBA without a jump shot to this point. The Sixers knew that. Um, does he need to work on that more? Or like, 
he works on that, but he doesn't take it. Like it's, it's, it's strange. Like why work on it if you're not going to take it? Um, now I think playing with Doc, I think Doc had a lot to do with it this year. Like I don't think when he was with Brett Brown, his role was defined. He was the point guard. I mean, I think Doc came in and changed a lot of things, um, and especially in the playoffs. Like it became you initiate the offense, but you don't get anything. His, he's best when he's getting downhill, right? He didn't run anything to get him downhill in the playoffs. He didn't run anything to get him into the post. Like, his confidence almost was taken, not just on the fact that he wasn't shooting, but all he did was make a pass and run to the dunker spot almost every game. He was not involved in the offense whatsoever. And that was from the beginning of the playoffs. So I think Doc had a lot to do with that, of, of, of bringing him down. Maybe a change of scenario would help. Um, but he played nothing like he's played in his first few years in the league. And I think Doc made that decision to go Tobias is the second best player and he wanted to get Seth Curry shots as much as possible. And he took away some, a strength of his. They did no pick and roll in the playoffs with him and uh, Embiid. So I, I, I just think uh, I, I'm, I'm going to blame Doc on a lot of that. And, and a lot of it comes with you got to be better as a player. I thought he lost confidence because he get, didn't get to the free throw line. But I think that guy's confidence was taken away from him. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, Lamar, right there. And uh, to me, it's, it, it is a mental issue where he's at with the free throws. And uh, he's just hesitant to finishing right now. Uh, but I totally agree with you. You know, there was a lot involved that they just didn't use him right. And he's not on the right roster, in my opinion. They built that roster around Embiid, not around him. And he's not a player that can play with any roster you throw out there. You know, he's one of those those few few guys that can just do it all, but he needs the right players around him. Bryce, what do you what do you think about uh, Ben Simmons and his struggles in this playoffs? Yeah, so I mean, my thing with I think it's a little overblown. If you go look at Ben Simmons' playoff career, this series and those last three games were the outlier. Okay, that it, not the other way around. He's had a thirty point playoff game. He had he almost. Uh, he averaged just a little under 20 in the previous playoff series in round one. Like, I think it was mental. I think the men- that really got to him. You could see it weighing on him, in my opinion. And we've seen these guys. Lamar, I don't know. You can speak to this. You were there with Simon McCormick, right, at American? Yes, sir. I, I mean, Simon McCormick, and I, I don't mean to call Simon and I talk every once in a while. He's a college coach right now. Great kid, great young man, going to be a great coach, and was a really good player. It, his was a little different. His had to do with an injury, but that kid knocked down mid-range jumpers when he was coming in as a recruit. And Lamar, you can speak to this. After his wrist injury, that completely went away. And I think it had a lot to do with a mental side of it. Like I saw, I, so I know it's not exactly the same, but I felt like the mental side plays a huge factor in these things. Would you agree with that, Lamar? I agree with it. I definitely agree with it. I mean, man, the, the guys don't understand. I listen to a lot of these NBA guys a lot. Like a lot of this stuff is psychological, man. And that's why they need therapists. Like you're 100% right. You are definitely 100% right. It is, and it, it's the pressure a lot of times, guys. Like, the way I see it with Simmons right now is he, he got into his own head early once he started missing free throws, and he let the free throws just affect everything else. And I just love how Shaq put it. I believe after game five or six, he was like, 
you know what? I'm still going to get you 30 or 40 points. And if I'm going to miss 40 free throws, so be it. You just got to foul me, and that's the only way you can stop me. But I'm going to get mine. And I feel like Simmons, he was down on his luck. He's like, oh, man, I can't make free throws. I can't. And it's not what he does. At the end of the day, like, he facilitates. To me, he's he, he can do so much for that team, and he just doesn't do it. Okay, Lamar mentioned uh, Doc. And even on Twitter, when people say, like, ah, oh, just trade Ben Simmons, I was like, you want to see how great Ben Simmons is? You Everybody talks about Draymond Green, and I love Draymond. He's fine. But you put Ben, ben Simmons in that same roster, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you don't – I don't know. You just don't take away greatness from this kid because he had a few bad games, he missed some free throws, and he clearly was struggling mentally. Vlad, I've talked to you about this, so I'd love to hear what Lamar thinks about this because I've I've compared him to Draymond Green a little bit. Like I think that's the little bit more of the mold of where I'd like to see him play. Vlad, you brought up, I think you brought up the CJ for Ben Simmons trade. But like whether that works for both teams or whatever, or it's equal value. But like you put him in that Draymond role with Portland, Damian Lillard can play that same same type of style as Steph Curry. Like I like that. You put him in short pick and roll, and now he's shooting a little floater, distributing, throwing lobs. Like I just think Ben Simmons would pick people apart in that Draymond role. So that's what I see. And I, I just think you're right. He would fit with the right roster. He, he's still big time. Like People are way over the top with this right now. Lamar, I do have an issue with Ben Simmons. Is he a point guard? Because to me, he's not a point guard. I feel like people try to make him a point guard. He's, a, he's an extremely great facilitator, but he's not a point guard. And as, as long as he has this stamp of a point guard on him, I feel like he's going to struggle. And he's gonna, not going to be able to just rise up those expectations. I totally agree with you, Vlad. Like he's point forwardish is exactly. what he is, right? He's he's your he he is your he's a primary facilitator. That's what he is. Now that's but he's not a point guard. He he like you know he when he's like Bryce has talked about it. Put him in ball screen situations where now and that's what Draymond Green does. He rolls. He has to make the decision: Am I kicking it to a shooter? Am I getting to the rim? Like what am I gonna do? So. You have to put him in certain situations. He can still be your best decision maker, but he doesn't have to play point guard for you. That, that's the one thing about him. No, I wouldn't say if you label him as a point guard, that, that's that's going to be an issue because he's not going to be the guy to initiate your offense, but he can be the guy that can be your primary facilitator when it comes time to making plays within your offense. And this is a narrative that goes around the NBA. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is we want to make players like Steph, like Jokic, like we just want to make like LeBron, and they're not. Those <laughs> those are so special. <laughs> yeah, that these guys are so so special that you cannot get a seven foot center and try to make him like Jokic. You cannot get a Steph Curry, and you cannot make a Ben Simmons type player and expect what LeBron did. And what LeBron does. So to me, that's also one of the biggest issues in the league right now. Oh, he's 6'9, he can handle the ball, he can be a point guard. Well, just wait a minute. Just wait a second. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think, Bryce? What, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. I tried to do it with Trey Young and Steph Curry and why their games are similar. 
nobody shoots the ball like Steph. I will pound the table and argue to the death that Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. So how am I then going to put that pressure on Trey Young to be the same player? Now they, they have similar qualities and, but I still think Trey dominates the game in a different way. So I do, I think we're quick to do those type of things. And I think it also plays, you brought this up a little bit, Vlad. We have to, I, I don't know how you guys feel. I think eventually you have to detach where a player was drafted to determine what how good of a player they are. Is Ben Simmons living up to the number one draft pick? I don't know. If you don't think so, fine. But that doesn't mean he's a trash player. It doesn't mean he's not a good player. It doesn't mean he can't help you win a championship. And that doesn't make him a failure just because he didn't live up to maybe superstar qualities. So eventually guys have to get detached from their draft position and just be judged as the player they are. Absolutely. And Lamar, uh, before I take a take on the, the whole height thing, I just want to specify, right? So the 76ers took Ben Simmons as number one pick. If you think about it, it was Brendan Ingram at a two, Jalen Brown at three. After that, I'm not sure there was like, they're like, drag up Bender. He didn't even make it to the league after that. He's in uh, Tel Aviv, if I'm not mistaken, Israel. Chris Dunn, Buddy Hill, Jamal Murray at seven. Okay, Marcus Kreese, Jacob Hull, Tana Maker. This is a top 10 draft. Like, where do you take Simmons? He's by far right there. So it was just a matter of what back then Philadelphia thought it was the best fit to go along with Embiid. The workout or not is not really Ben Simmons' fault, right? So to me, that's also one of the issues. You know, we just kind of label him as uh, he's just not a number one pick and we expected him to be like LeBron James. That's not his fault. You know, don't put that on the kid. And Lamar, what, what do you think about his whole – you know, he's 6'9", he has to play like this. He's 6'5", like, we used to label this backwards, right? Uh, at least my years, like, oh, he's 6'9", he got to be a power forward. Now you look, he's 6'9", he's like, oh, can he be a point guard slash shooting guard? Like, we're pushing this narrative of we want to play bigger, faster, better, switch everything. And we're pushing some of these kids really outside of their comfort zone and outside of the natural positions. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, if you, it, it, it's interesting, Vlad, because everyone used to be, oh, it's five positions in basketball. Man, I've heard 13 positions in basketball because it's, 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 uh, you know, so positionless. Um, but like, I just think you guys got to play to what their skill level is. You can't force them to be this guy. Like, what separates LeBron or what separates Chris Paul, talking about being point guards is their basketball IQ, knowing the game, their knowledge. Like, Ben is an exceptional passer, but that doesn't mean he understands the bat, the game of basketball from the neck up. You know, and that's what I think separates a guy from a point guard position. Or if you if you a shooter, like I mean, you talked about it. Like Kevin Durant is a, a phenomenal. He doesn't have a position. He's a seven foot, what two guard, three, whatever you want to do. You just put him anywhere. But those guys are. I mean, they don't come along that often. But trying to throw guys into, well, let's just make him into a point guard, you know, because he, he's a big point guard and we need that or we don't like small point guards. I, I, I'm i not a big fan of that. I just think you are who you are You, you from a skill standpoint. Don't try to force it. Um, you know, you can you can try to develop develop guys into certain positions, but you can't make them into a, a position. And Vlad, that, we think about this, Bryce. Uh, go ahead. I should say that's a GM's job. Like Lamar's exactly right. Like, I feel like sometimes these players get put down or a coach gets put down or whatever because this guy, you know, things aren't working right. No, your job as an organization, I guess I shouldn't just say GM, is to fit all these pieces right. 
What does this guy do? You know, Troy Weaver has to do this. What does this guy do right? What does this guy do? What's his strength? Now, how do I fit them together? And maybe that piece doesn't fit because what you do when you're missing a piece, then you, like you do what Lamar says, you try to take a guy and force him into a role he can't be successful at. And that does nobody any good because he's not going to be successful. He's going to lose confidence. So, that's the job of an organization is to find all those pieces that fit together right. And that's what that's what makes it so hard, but that's what makes basketball so much fun. Absolutely. And just looking at the starting lineup of the 76ers, guys, I mean, we're looking at Simmons, Harris, and Embiid. You're playing with three bigs at that point, really, honestly. And you're playing with uh, Cork Moss or Danny Green or Seth Curry. Uh, you're missing exactly what Lamar just said. Is he able to run a team? You know, LeBron is LeBron, but his point guards usually were somewhat able to run teams, whether it was like Mario Chalmers at times or make shots. It's, it's one of those things, like they got to make shots, they got to run a team. So to me, that's also an issue with the Philadelphia 76ers. Like they literally want him to be a point guard, you know, like run the team, you know, set the offense. But that's not Ben Simmons. Like, it's, I don't know. So to me, that's the big, biggest issue. And Lamar, I'm, I'm happy you brought up the doc issue because I, I've seen it. And I couldn't really pinpoint. I was like, it's just something doesn't look right. And clearly, they didn't do a good job running stuff for him to get him going. But now, since we're talking about coaching, I do believe the other series, the Suns Clippers series, not a biggest fan of Ty Lue, but he's made great adjustments in the Jazz series. He's made great adjustments uh, in the Maverick series. Right now, he's down 0-2 against a very, very well-coached Suns team. By far, in my opinion, my favorite coach this year is Williams. He's, he's done a fabulous job. And Lamar, I want to hear your take on this. Suns up 2-0. What's your take on the series? I, I think, I mean, the preparation, like they've seen it all. Chris Paul coming back. I just can't see the clip. Now, this, the Clippers have had an unbelievable, you know, they've been down 2-0 in both series. I just think this is a different animal. I think, like you said, this is a well-coached team. They don't find ways to beat themselves. That's important come playoff time. Um, talked about it. This is probably one of your more traditional teams in the NBA now. They have a true point guard. They have a true shooting guard. They have true wings, and they have a true center, right? So this team is kind of made. The way it's made, the guys that come off the bench, they know their role. I don't think those guys are going to make mistakes to lose games, and I don't think this coaching staff is going to put them in a position where they're going to make bad decisions or, or things like that to lose games. And I think that's the difference in this series because, I mean, Kawhi, I don't see him coming back, but I just don't know – the adjustments that Ty Luke make, you know, he, the last series he found out about, you know what, let's pull Gobert. Let's take away Gobert's strength and make him guard a perimeter guy. Well, DeAndre Ayton actually moves his feet. He can guard. So if you want to put Terrence Mann on the floor and stretch the floor, they're going to kill him. But you can't allow – you can't play small because DeAndre Ayton is 22 for 29 in this series in the first two games. Like, who's going to combat that with – you have to have size on the floor – in this series, and, and and at the same time, he can guard on the perimeter. He doesn't have to he – can, he can guard on the perimeter a little bit and still protect the run. They adjust, and uh, you've mentioned this, right? And they that gets the Lakers too, right? And they just picked – and Aiton, I'm, I'm loving him. I, I'm, honestly, I'm his biggest fan this year. 
he just took this role and embraced him. What people expect him to be like AD when we're here that talk, oh, he's going to do this, he's going to shoot a three. And right now, he just embraced it. He finishes absolutely everything in the paint. He dominates the paint old school. It's what I, what I expected Andre Drummond to be for the Lakers. Aiton just demolished him the whole series. Okay, Marcus is Marcus Hall, but it, it, it's really special what the Suns are doing right now. And I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to say that I didn't think they had it. And uh, without CP3, without Kawhi, I, I really don't want to hear those arguments where, oh, they didn't have Kawhi. Who, who can shut down Booker? Who can, no, they didn't have CP3 the first two games. That's their floor general. That's an MVP candidate. And he's, he's done a fabulous job running this team. And they're missing that point guard, the traditional point guard. And Bryce, what do you think about this series? Where do you see it going? Because I do agree with Lamar. I don't think the Clippers have it in them to come back from this one. I don't either. I, I feel like the Suns look like a team that know who they are. And they, I don't want to say they smell, blood. like they can feel it. You can see the way they carry themselves, that they're all about business and they're going to take care of it. And I would be surprised if this one goes longer than five or six, unless Kawhi does come back and is 100% somehow miraculously. And I love that you guys are giving Aiden all this credit because he deserves it. He took a lot of, you know, I don't want to say, like, he took a lot because they people thought he was overdrafted. But he's found his role. Lamar outlined it. All these guys know their role. And Devin Booker, guys, is big time. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, people are now on a big stage are going to know DeAndre Ayton. And they're going to know Devin Booker. I did a breakdown. I shared it on Twitter right before we started recording. The last 30 seconds, Devin Booker was huge. He made a huge pull-up jump shot over Patrick Beverly that was big time um, when they were down one. And then he gets trapped when they're on the play right before the lob pass, whenever they were still down one. He gets trapped, which forces a rotation, which ends up giving an offensive rebounding opportunity because of the rotations. And then he's the decoy that sets the big time screen on Aiton. So everything goes through Booker right now, especially with CP3 out. And I think, you know, with a freaking broken nose, you know, was still able to make huge plays down the stretch. Absolutely. So I guess uh, we'll agree that the Suns are going to get in the finals and uh, we'll see. Um, both uh, Lamar and I think the Bucks and Bryce has, well, he, he's hoping the Hawks. Yeah, the, you know, I, I, that's what I'm, I'm picking. I, I tend to do this sometimes, Vlad and Lamar. Like I go with my heart, like right, my, right. My, my mind tells me it's the Bucks, like the smart basketball mind says the Bucks. But my heart, like right now, I'm just, I love Trey Young. I love John Collins. Like, I just really, really like that Hawks team. So, like, my heart, like, is kind of with the Hawks. I'm way, I'm way too emotional. You're right. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, first of all, we have to apologize about having some issues with the, the connection with Lamar. But, Lamar, we have a few more minutes. I really want to touch on your Unmasked project. Uh, I really love what you're doing there. Can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, about your Unmasked project? Yeah, um, Vlad, Unmasked Man, it started a year ago. It was right around the time that you interviewed me for one of your podcasts. And uh, at the time, I was just trying to uh, get assistant coaches um, a lot of love. Uh, people don't understand the job of an assistant men's basketball coach. Everyone thinks it's they see the guys on TV with the shiny suit on and and, and, and they'll, they'll like say, oh, that's all they do is coach. They don't realize the amount of hours they put in on film the amount of time they spend with recruiting, the amount of time they spend with away from their family. So it was a lot of sacrifice. So I kind of wanted to take that behind the scenes uh, so people can understand what 
coaching college athletics is like college basketball in general. And it started June 1st of last year and through June 8th, I've done over, I've actually uh, released over a hundred interviews. I still got a lot more to go that I have out. I usually put it out on my YouTube channel two times a week. Um, it's unbelievable that the response I got from people who enjoy listening to the unmasked, um, stories that are the untold stories. Um, and like I said, it's continuing to grow and it's actually led to, uh, unmasked being, uh, talking with entrepreneurs, uh, you know, people in photography have actually even had a, a couple of, uh, Emmy award winners on. And so I'm trying to do different things besides basketball. But basketball is the is the backbone, and uh, it's been a huge success thus far. Uh, like I said, over a hundred plus uh, college coaches, and twenty five percent of those coaches went on to get another job, whether it was a head job or even at a higher level. And that's something I'm kind of proud of that I could assist with, uh, you know, because I've had a lot of uh, uh, you know athletic directors or even search firms reach out to me and ask me my thoughts on those individuals. Absolutely. I love the project. Lamar, can you tell us where they can find you personally or the project online over social media? Yeah, on my social media page. I mean, I, I have uh, two. I have to have two Twitter accounts, but I use my Unmasked LJB uh, is one of my It's actually my Twitter handle uh, and my uh, Instagram handle. Unmasked LJB. Um, you can also go to my uh, you can also find those same interviews on my uh, website, which is unmaskedljb.com. Um, like I said, all the interviews that are on it, um, um, you know, and also my Facebook page was Lamar Barrett. Um, and like I said, I've, I get a tremendous response from uh, a lot of people on Twitter um, and, and as well as on my Instagram account. Um, you know, and, I, and like I said, it's the views uh, have been tremendous man over this this first year vlog can i say something real quick real quick yeah, vlog no lamar that's awesome and and i just want our listeners to go you guys need to go listen to that stuff because the guys he's talking about interviewing they have stories and experiences that like you guys will love as basketball fans so check that out i was an ops guy at american after i graduated for one year i'd have all sorts of stories from that one year um i miss being on staff with lamar by that by just one year i've been an assistant high school coach for this this last year it was my first year as an assistant I was ahead before that and it gave me a whole nother perspective so you guys want to hear these stories that Lamar is talking about he's doing and that's big time Lamar that's awesome stuff thank you I appreciate it and I I always say this I I use this you know it's therapeutic so it's educational and it's entertaining and I want to always educate the young guys who want to get into the business Bryce like they always like I want to get out I want to get in but they have no (laughs) idea what it takes they have no idea how much time you put in. I mean, so they those young guys, they're learning. They're like, wow, I didn't realize it was that much. But now they, they understand listening to these older guys who've been in the profession uh, for a long time. That, that's that's so true because that's how I, whenever I came back, people are like, man, you had a chance to coach college. Like, why'd you get out? And I had to explain to them, like, the time commitment, the stress, like, everything about it. And I'm not, I'm not saying I wasn't extremely thankful for the opportunity. And there's days that I don't wish that I had it back, but my, my priority was a family and raising kids and, and those things. And it's, they don't understand. People don't understand what you miss out on, especially as a college coach, a college assistant coach. When you got to go recruit a kid, you got to recruit a kid. When you got to call a kid, you got to call a kid. When you have a game, et cetera, you know, all this, but 
it it that's that's so true. I'm glad you're t- getting those stories out there. Yeah, make sure so. Make sure you go uh, follow more on social media. Go check out the website. Uh, in the meantime, also make sure you just uh, give us a follow on Twitter, Motor City Hoops, uh, Motor City Hoops Show on Instagram, Motor City Hoops also on Facebook. Uh, we'll do a few more uh, special episodes going forward, maybe shorter ones uh, with this potential candidates that that Weaver might be looking at. Uh, I know we briefly talked about each one of them in the past, but right now, knowing what pick we have. And uh, we can kind of dissect that even more. So make sure you give us a follow. Stay tuned for our next episodes. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.